Has BYU identified why exactly they've struggled early on in football games? Ed Lamb gives us some insight as to what he thinks might be the issue. We'll also catch up with BYU tight end Isaac Rex as he gets ready for the matchup with Notre Dame in Las Vegas. It's all ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Uh, our goal here, my goal, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. I bring you all the relevant news and notes that you can muster and I can muster every single day right here. Our title sponsor on today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Upside. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's simple. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on in, in today's show. But wanted to dive in today, and there's been a lot of hubbub about there, uh, out there excuse me, about why BYU has started the last two games in particular against both uh, Wyoming and Utah State so slowly. The first halves has just been an absolute slog for BYU both offensively and defensively. And you obviously have to give some credit to the Cowboys and the Aggies for controlling the action in the first half and to BYU's credit. In the second half, they made the proper adjustments, came out of the locker room, and essentially took hold of both of those games in the third quarter and said, yeah, this bad boy's over. You guys, thanks for coming, but move along. Now, they also had a slow start against Oregon, and that cost them because Oregon pounced on them and never let them get back up off the mat. So there's been a lot of angst, as I mentioned, about why BYU has been starting so slowly. And we'll get to some other questions here in a minute. It is a Thursday. I usually like to I get to the mailbag here on a Thursday edition of the show. We'll get to some other questions here momentarily, but I'm going to answer one that's kind of a broad-reaching question that I've heard from a number of you over the past little bit about why the slow starts. Well, that question was lobbed at Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and also uh, coaches the safeties for his position group. He has a very, very keen look at the program, like I said, as the assistant head coach. He's got a lot of responsibilities beyond just dealing with special teams as well as his safeties group. He is a guy that Kalani Satake trusts implicitly, uh, really respects his opinion on things. Well, I thought Ed Lamb maybe had the quote of the week so far in media sessions when he had this to say about BYU slow starts. I think that, like right now, I think that our best guess is that we're playing very tight, expecting to dominate, and then it's been a little bit of a snowball effect when the other team kind of brings their best shot, and they're playing BYU where we're ranked, and we haven't responded to that. And so, you know, I just talked to the whole team about that exact idea. I think, I think, you know, the, the slow start has not just happened on on defense, but on offense as well. And I think in the same way, there's been a snowball effect back and forth, you know, poor field position for our offense and then not a lot of rest for our defense. And so it's been a hole that we've had to dig out of each week. I think that we need to um, we need to call the game more aggressively and I think that we need to play the game more loose. And I think those things work hand in hand. I, you know, I'm not, it's not from a fan perspective. I don't think aggression is always throwing it deep. Sometimes it's running between the tackles when the opponent knows you're going to. And same on defense. It's not always a blitzing. That is aggression, yes. Just like throwing it deep is on offense. 
but sometimes aggression or confidence, showing confidence in the players and encouraging them to play loose is just saying, we're going to play base defense, we're going to shut these guys down in base defense. And so that's that's what I've identified, yeah, and outside of any conversations with our coordinators. Yeah, fair, fair question. Is there any change in messaging throughout the, the practice and throughout the week to get guys to play looser, or does it come down to kind of like what you're saying, just what you, the, the trust on game day? Yeah, we've got to lead the way. You know, the time to coach guys to a bloody stump is in training camp, and I think we've got to bring confidence. But but to be very honest, it's it's tough. That's a, that's a role that we have to get used to uh, when you talk about, like, being the favorite in a game. And, you know, we've we've for so long been the hunter, and, and you know, we so far we haven't excelled at, at the team that's being hunted. And so we've got to kind of rectify that and make our adjustments, move forward. And I think, I think just the way I see the game, it always starts with the coaches, our mindset. I think the players are a reflection of the way that we treat them. And so I think we need to be uh, more loose, more aggressive, have more fun. And I, and I think that we're doing that. There you go. Ed Lamb, BYU assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, and safeties coach. And folks, I... It, I don't know that he necessarily uh, is just saying that to say coach speak, but I've known Coach Lamb to be a pretty straight shooter, and I actually really agree with his his take on that. I really do think BYU's been playing a little too tight uh, when it comes to being the quote-unquote hunted versus being the hunter out there. Think about this. In 2019, 2020, even last year in 2021, BYU has been the underdog. They have been the team that's essentially hunting down these other big-name programs and picking them off and garnering national respect along the way. There's been a little bit of a sea change in this season coming into it where BYU is thought to be a quote-unquote big dog. They're they're a hunted team, especially when you face the likes of, let's say, a USF, a Wyoming, a Utah State. They see BYU as an absolute mark that they want to take down. I think Baylor and Oregon also see it that way. BYU is a lightning rod program, and I think that I have seen this. I think many of you out there, if you really consider what you're seeing on the football field, is that BYU does play a little too tightly wound when it comes to playing football right now. There's just not a looseness in uh I don't know, a laissez-faire. Laissez-faire is probably the wrong term, but they, they just, they're not playing the way that they played. I like to use the term playing with joy, and that's one of my favorite terms out there. And it's not just, hey, everything's good. Let's go out there. Everything's good. Yay. That No, it's not that. It's you go out there and you have fun. You're playing a game that people, millions of us, would die to be on the same stage that you're on. I dreamed my entire life. There were three things I wanted to do in my life. A, number one, be an NFL tight end. B, number two, be a PGA Tour golfer. And three, work in sports if the other two didn't work out. That was like the fallback in number three. I'm obviously doing number three right now because A, didn't have the talent to be an NFL tight end nor the size. Uh, you're going to see Isaac Rex here in a moment. He dwarfs me at six foot five, 260 whatever pounds he is. You're going to hear from him here in a moment. I was not good enough golfer. I'm a decent golfer, but I was far from being a PGA Tour caliber golfer. So I am lucky enough to work in sports and cover it for a living. So that's the thing about this. Many of us dreamed of being on the same stage that many of these young men in the BYU football program are in. And I feel feel like that they have kind of heard a lot of the outside noise and maybe it's got them a little too tightly wound. Kalani Sitake also referred to this during his media session earlier this week saying, hey, there's a fine line between having the guys play a little too loose and at the same time having them too tightly wound where they're just they're not performing up to their expectations. None of us myself, coaches, administrators, players, you the fans out there, I don't think a single one of us would say that BYU has played a complete game 
through the five games they have played. And lucky and luckily enough, they are four and one. Now we'll answer the first question right now because it lends itself right here to this first question that came in. It came in via email. Comes in uh, via Zach. It says, why is there seemingly so much doom and gloom over a four and one team that is ranked number 16 in the country, Jake? Well, Zach, that's a very, very good question. I think the quote unquote doom and gloom, as you termed it, I think that is coming more from the fact that BYU has not been necessarily an impressive team. You can count the USF game, I guess, as a pretty throw beat down. They're up 28 nothing at the end of the first quarter. They came out of the gate absolutely flying. And I guess you probably count that one as a quote-unquote success. But outside of that, have they completely dominated a team or played a complete game in your mind? I don't think so. And I think that's where the angst for BYU is coming from, from the fans, etc. I, I think that all of us out there see that BYU has the pieces, has talent up and down this roster. They just are not playing to their capability level. And that that's, I think, the biggest bugaboo for this team is just the fact that they are not performing up to the expectations they probably have set for themselves, the coaches have for them, administrators, fans, media, etc. I don't think that they, uh, well, I, I, I don't think they, I think they have heard a lot of the outside noise and allowed it to go to their head a little bit and they are playing a little too tight. And maybe this is the week that they bust out and they play a little more loose because they are the underdog. The odds makers, our friends at Bet Online, have installed Notre Dame as a slight favorite in this game. If I'm Kalani Satake, Elisa Tuiaki, Aaron Roderick, on down the coaching roster, any of the uh, administrators, I am preaching to these guys. Get back to doing what you guys did. You guys were so good at being the underdog. Well, this week, you are the underdog. Play that up. That's what the coaches should be playing up right now. Get back to being the hunter rather than being the hunted. And I think that that could yield some positive results and maybe get the most impressive win of the season. I know that Notre Dame's a 2-2 two and two team. I get that. Beating Arkansas probably has more cachet this season. But it's Notre freaking Dame, folks. This is a big dog. They are relevant no matter how bad or how good they are. They are just always always there. The Fighting Irish love them, hate them, or be indifferent about them. You know that they are a national brand and winning this game would do a lot for BYU. It'd be fun to see them go out there and play just more loose. Play with joy. Get out there and get after it. And I think that would lend itself to, I think, a lot of BYU fans and that quote-unquote doom and gloom that Zach's referring to maybe dissipate that a little bit. Because it's true, folks, despite all of the issues the BYU's had this year, they are still a 4-1 ball club. They are ranked number 16 in the country. Who's to say if they don't win these next two games, you beat Notre Dame this weekend and uh, looking out a little bit further, beat Arkansas a week from Saturday, could you be inside the top 10 at that point? Think about it. There is a lot still to play for for BYU right now and Maybe just uh, getting the message across to these guys that, you know what, loosen up a little bit. Just go play. And I think that might it might help. I, I, maybe I'm completely up in the night on that. I'd love your guys' insight on that. Uh, they've asked us here on the on the Locked On Podcast Network to have a question of the day for you guys. So there you go. I'm going to make that the question of the day right now. What would you like to see? Do you think BYU is playing too tightly wound? Do you think they're playing too loose? What is your take? Where do you think the issue is for BYU right now? Drop it in our YouTube comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Tweet at us on social media or drop us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Locked on Cougars on all three platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can email the show, lockedonbyu at gmail.com like Zach did. We'll get to some more email questions here in a minute. Or you can drop a DM. You can DM me on my Twitter feed, Jacob C. Hatch. My DMs are always open. I 
always love hearing from you guys. So please feel free. Let me know what you think. I, that's my take on this. I want your take on it. So that's the question of the day. Where do you think BYU is falling short? Are they playing too tight? Are they playing too loose? Or maybe it's something completely outside of the box that you think is causing these issues for BYU. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show when we preview this game more in depth as I will be headed to Las Vegas like a number of you to watch this game. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we need to talk about what's going on with Isaac Rex, obviously. He's been very, very good this year. I had a great conversation with him one-on-one. We'll get to that conversation. We'll also get to as many more questions as we possibly can muster. And also, a number of you uh, like the notes I had on the BYU basketball program and some of their practices. I I did an update, I think, two or three weeks ago. I've got some more notes on that that we'll get to before we round out today's show. But first, a word on our friends over at Upside. As mentioned, they are the title sponsor of today's show. From cringing at the pump, and trust me, OPEC just announced they're cutting back. That means prices are going to keep going up when it comes to your gas prices. To getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting all of us where it hurts, and it is really hurting. That is why I have started using the Upside app. I want you guys to give it a shot as well. It's actually pretty simple. It's an incredible app for anybody who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. I think any one of you can identify with that. And with every purchase, I am earning cash back thanks to Upside. So give it a shot, my friends. All you got to do is go get the Upside app. It's a free app. Use the promo code LOCKED while you're there. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. And you'll get $5 more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Think about that. You can get up to 50% back on your very first purchase via our friends at Upside. The best part is you get cash back every time you use it. So you claim an offer from wherever you're buying on Upside. Check in at that business. Pay as usual with a credit or debit card and you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you're going to have to three times more cash back with Upside. So check it out, my friends. Upside you earners are, er, excuse me, Upside users are you earning more than $1 million every week, and that's probably why they have a 4.8-star rating on the App Store. So once again, download the free Upside app now and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED with our friends over at Upside. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show, whether it's on YouTube, the regular podcast platforms out there. You guys are the best. Uh, I mentioned last week that we had cracked into the top five in overall podcast listens on the regular platforms, as well as uh, being in the top ten on YouTube views across the entire Locked On College Network. I am pleased to say we are still in the top five in podcast listens, and folks, we're knocking on the door of the YouTube top five. We are number six this week in the YouTube YouTube uh, watch list, I guess, watches list. I don't know how to say that, uh, but th- we are number six in terms of overall locked on college shows. So we're going to be top five in both of these very, very quickly. And thank you to all of you for your support in that venture. All right. Isaac Rex is obviously a guy that I think a lot of us think is going to be making a lot of money when it comes to the NFL one day, maybe as soon as next off season, he has been an absolute revelation coming back off of that horrific ankle injury that he suffered against USC. I had a great conversation with him at practice. I'm actually recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, I actually had talked to him just over an hour ago. Uh, so it's fresh as like the day's headlines. Had a great chat with him about a lot of different topics, but we started off talking about how he feels physically right now. I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm getting better every week. Uh, last week I tried to hurdle. Uh, that didn't really work out as I planned, but I did get up pretty high. So it was a confidence booster for me that I can, you know, jump off off my foot again and land. And so uh, I feel like I'm getting better every week, though. I was going to ask you about that. Was that a, like a Mason Wake inspired deal? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mason was out that game, so someone had to do the <laughs> hurdling. You got to get at least like one hurdle a game. That's the same what Mason does. So, um, yeah, I just tried it, you know, uh, next time I'll spread my legs a little bit more. <laughs> 
Fair enough. You mentioned in uh, training camp that your biggest thing was getting that confidence back in the ankle, just knowing you can go up and land on it and it's not going to give way. Yeah. You said that that was kind of a moment there. That, is that part of this? Is like, hey, I can trust this again? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. Uh, I feel like running is really good, just more of the jumping side. And so, yeah, I feel like I've, I really haven't had any problems with it since uh, maybe the first game. I was a little iffy on it, but since then I've had a lot of confidence on it and my ankle has been feeling really good. Now, obviously, this is a big game this week going down to Las Vegas, Notre Dame. It's a game that's been circling a lot of people's calendars. What do you make of playing Notre Dame? I mean, for any school to play with Notre Dame, it's just such a big opportunity, and it's such a cool atmosphere, even though we're playing on a neutral site, you know. it's To play Notre Dame is just historic, you know. My dad always talks about how when he played Notre Dame, he had all these catches and yards and stuff. So it's funny, man. It's uh, That's a game you'll talk about for a long time, win or lose. So uh, Notre Dame is that's that's the team, you know. We've talked to you, and you've talked about the fact that your dad, he'll, he'll let you know when he had like a good game against an opponent. <laughs> Do you feel in some ways like you were like, okay, I'm going to one-up you on this one? <laughs> no, because there's different offense he was in, and um, obviously I'm not trying to compete with my dad. I already passed him on some aspects. Yes. So, uh, But I love my dad. He, we just joke and banter, especially when we're playing basketball or something. You know, There's always that son and father competitive spirit that goes on in there. So, yeah, my dad's funny like that. I can understand. Just living the good old days out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Now, obviously, playing in Allegiant Stadium for the second time, do you feel like that can be any sort of, I guess, advantage because you're just familiar with the lay of the land? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're probably used to the routine of going down to Vegas. We did that last year. Um, I think we're staying at a different hotel this time, so maybe it'll be a little different. We're not on the Strip, which is probably a good thing for some some of us, you know. Not me, but <laughs> no, no, I'm past those, you know, I'm married, can have a kid, so I got to lay low. But uh, no, Vegas, yeah, I mean, playing there last year was an experience too. I think we were the first team to maybe play there, first college team, yeah. first college team to play there. So yeah, it was exciting and I'm excited to go back there. You mentioned the fact that you're having a kid. Did you plan to announce that by the little <laughs> cradle action? Yeah, I did. I, I had to. Uh, I had to think of a creative way whenever I was... When the touchdown came, I was like, okay, I got to figure it out some way. You know, I can't have my first kid just announce it randomly on Instagram. So I was lucky they got a picture of it. They got a couple videos of it. But, um, yeah, that was kind of funny. Last thing for me is we already talked about Notre Dame here, but when what do you see from them? Like, I know Michael Mayer's on the other side. He's not playing against you. He's another tight end. But yeah. do you like facing guys who are also considered like to be top shelf players at your position? Yeah, I mean, Michael Mayer, he's he's the best in the country. He's a, he's a great tight end. He's probably going to be top traffic. So, yeah, I'm obviously aware of Michael Mayer. He's a, he's a stud. And so, yeah, it's going to be exciting when I'm on, uh, on the field. You know, I'm going to be rooting for our defense. I hope uh, we could shut him down. But obviously I'll be looking at how he moves, how he plays to see, uh, like, maybe learn from him, obviously, and uh, maybe take some things away from his game also. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, hopefully I can say what's up to him after the game. There you go, Isaac Rex, BYU tied in, and a great conversation with him. And it does seem like that he and his dad have a really, really fun relationship. He kind of had the little jab in there. Like, I've already broken a lot of his records. His freshman season, I guess, technically in 2020, he broke his dad's uh, career touchdown mark with the 12 touchdown receptions he had during the 2020 season alone. Isaac, a great dude, as you heard him talk about. Uh, he did plan to announce that he was having a kid with that cradle action that he had in that game against Oregon. And that's just, that's fun stuff you can do 
as a player. And good to hear him talk about the fact that he's looking forward to facing Notre Dame, going down there to Allegiant Stadium. And it's good to hear that he feels more and more confident in that ankle. He talked about during training camp that he thought he was between 80 and 85%. And his biggest thing was going up on that ankle, the quote-unquote jumping off of that foot and trusting that, like, unlike what happened at USC where he comes down and fractures the ankle that required multiple surgeries, I think two of them in all, to repair that damage and cost him months and months of training, etc. Uh, the, the confidence to be able to go up. And, and he did have that hurdle uh, last week. And it, yeah, it did not end well. He said, I'm going to have to spread my legs a little more, maybe to clear the guy a little more next time. But that's the type of stuff that I think you're, is showing that Isaac is getting better and better the se- as the season wears on. And BYU obviously needs him to continue to get better and better as the season goes on because you lost a guy like Dallin Holker. And I know that Dallin, a lot of you consider him a turncoat, whatever you can consider him. He was a talented prospect and now it's going to be more incumbent on a guy like Isaac Rex as well as Mason Wake. Ethan Erickson starting to break out. I thought Lane Lunt was actually fantastic in his run blocking fits last week in his uh, role as a reserve for BYU against Utah State. All these guys are going to get more opportunities now with some extra reps uh, being divvied up among them with Dallin Holker's exit. So big thank you once again to Isaac for taking the time and a great conversation with him. Always fun to catch up with that man. Well, that man. Yeah, he's a man. And like I said, he, he dwarfs me. I, I said I wanted to be an NFL tight end. That's what I aspired to be is what Isaac Rex is. Six foot five, six foot six, 260 some odd pounds, can run like a deer, gets after it in the blocking scheme. Uh, it's very soft hands. Like That is what I aspired to be. Instead, I'm six foot, 200 and some odd pounds, you know, aspirational tight end. Let's one of those, you know, all of us had that dream at one point, I, I would imagine. All right, anyways, so a big thank you once again, all the same to Isaac Rex for taking some time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. Also, big ups also to Ed Lamb earlier on in the show, and a big ups uh, to BYU Athletics, uh, Brandon Despain holding it down, getting that video and sending it out to us. Thank you to him for that Ed Lamb uh, clip. I obviously recorded that uh, Isaac Rex stuff on my own iPhone, funny enough. That, that, think about that. That picture was absolutely crystal clear. It's the fun part about technology. It's getting so much easier to do stuff like this, and it's absolutely miracle that I can have this stuff on YouTube for you guys literally within minutes after knocking this out. So crazy, crazy stuff, but enough tangents. Uh, let's talk about some of the other questions that came in in the mailbag. We'll get to as many of those as I, as I can. Also promise you some notes on the BYU men's basketball program. Talking with some people who are more in the know on that. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First though, a word on our friends over at intercap lending, intercap lending. There's no reason that there, there's a reason that no lender like intercap lending is helping more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs. than our friends at intercap, the reason why intercap they're getting deals done. My friends, they feature a quick and simple process. They're closing loans to two weeks faster than the industry average. We all know that with interest rates on the rise, there's still an opportunity for you to capitalize on that. And the best part about Intercap is they're happy to find the right solution for you, the consumer. No matter what it might be, they're happy to answer questions if you want to do a cash out refinance, you're trying to buy your first home, you you want to buy a vacation home, I, no matter what the situation may be, reach out to Intercap. They'd love nothing more than to help you guys out. And lest you think they are a fly-by-night organization, they are not. They are headquartered here in Utah, but they have four 44 years of experience behind them. They are founded in 1978. So this is an organization that's been around for many, many decades, and they'd love nothing more than to be your mortgage lender and help you guys out. The best part is they're also licensed to help in more than 40 states nationwide. So if you don't live in, happen to live along the Wasatch Front, you can still reach out to them and get their help. Steve Carter,
Carter is the personal loan officer for the Locked On Cougars podcast over at Intercap Lending. Yes, you have a personal loan officer who is dedicated to helping Locked On listeners. Reach out to him anytime. He's got a direct line you can reach out to anytime. 385-800-8528. Once again, 385-800-8528. You also can go to intercaplending.com to learn more there. That's the best part about this company. They are very, very responsive. I'd actually endeavor to say you will not find a more responsive loan officer than Steve Carter. He will get back to you at post haste. Let's just put it that way. So once again, reach out to him with any and all questions you've got. 385-800-8528 or reach out to us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. We'd love nothing more than put you in contact with Steve and his company over at Intercap Lending. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. All right, before we go here on today's show, let's get to as many questions as we possibly can fit in. Let's start with one that was DM'd to me, and this comes from our good friend Sasquatch Cougar fan at Devin Crossley. And Devin uh, sends this in, and this came came in actually a while back, a DM, and I missed it, so I apologize, Devin, but I'm getting to this now. I love listening to the podcast. I listen every night as soon as a new episode comes out on Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio. I am curious when I see it on YouTube. Are you doing the podcast from a closet? It doesn't look like a big room behind you. I'm just wondering. It's cool if you are in a good size closet it probably helps with the sound is my guess well Devin you have a very discerning eye because indeed I am in a closet uh, funny enough this is a closet it's underneath a set of stairs in my home uh, my wife actually and I got to give her the credit on this she was the one that pointed out you know what if you were to set this up with some soundproofing technology if you're watching this on YouTube I'm pointing over here that is some of uh, those soundproofing uh, panels that deaden the sound obviously not having it rebound etc it's not perfect it's not it's not acoustically perfect but it does the job and it's absolutely incredible and my wife my wife who compared to me is a neophyte when it comes to technology and recording stuff she was the one that came up with this grand idea to put me in this closet so you can call me harry potter if you want because i'm literally working in the closet under the stairs harry potter joke if you guys read or watched harry potter you know what i'm talking about if you didn't get with the times catch up and Roll with us, will you? All right. So, yeah, Devin, hopefully that answers your question. Very discerning eye. And, yeah, I, nothing's out of bounds with me, by the way. And that, some some people would be like, oh, why are you answering that question? I, I don't mind questions like that. If you guys want to get to know me, I want to get to know you, and I will address any and all things you you lob my way. All right, a couple other questions coming in here. Uh, first thing from Eric. Jake, can you tell me what the vibe around the team is right now? I'm worried that they may be down on themselves. Well, Eric, I can tell you this much. This is a team that I think has got a, just a, a bevy of different emotions, and it kind of goes back to the question earlier from Zach about the quote-unquote doom and gloom around the program. I think the bigger thing for BYU right now is they understand that they have not played up to their own expectations. I, I, I'll just I'll share this nugget with you guys. Uh, and I, I'm not breaking any news here because it's actually brought up in media availability on Tuesday. Ben Bywater might be one of the most effervescent personalities on this program, a guy who is never afraid to talk to you, give you his thoughts. He was as upset as I have seen him on, on ever uh, he, he, you could tell that he was just lamenting the the fact that BYU has not lived up to their capability, and he wants nothing more than to have BYU's defense play at the level that he believes they are capable of. This is a guy who comes on my radio show that I work for, uh, DJ and PK on the KSL Sports Zone, every single Monday, and he's a fantastic, and I mean fantastic interview, a great quote. But he was just uh, he was surly. That's that's probably the best term. He was surly on Tuesday when I had a chance just to say what up to him. And I think that he wants to get this defense balling the way that he thinks that they can, and hopefully he can get them there. And if, if, if everybody on this BYU defense has that type of mentality, 
I didn't reckon that they're going to go out there and play with their hair on fire, to use that expression, going into this game against Notre Dame. I'd love nothing more than to see a rebound performance from this defense, lock it down like they did against Baylor, bounce back that way, because if you do that, I think you have a pretty decent chance of getting the win there in Vegas over Notre Dame. All right, another question coming in here from Dallin says, did you see Brady Papinga's video he uh, he posted online about the BYU defense? And can you give us your thoughts on that? It was actually sent to me. Uh, somebody uh, sent the clip to me. It took me a minute to actually get, like, get it downloaded. It was like a iPhone video that uh, I don't know how exactly that Brady was recording. I'm assuming he had an iPhone out and was just recording it. And it shows a lot of what I talked about earlier this week where BYU, they're, they're losing leverage. I talked about this on the Monday edition of the show with the film review. The leverage, keeping the outside arm free and being able to really hold that edge. BYU's getting too many guys that are getting washed down and getting that leverage where they lose it. And the opposing offensive player, the tackle, the tight end, fullback, whatever it might be, they're winning on the outside edge, giving their running back the advantage to break uh, break the the line of scrimmage there in the case of a guy like Tyler Batty who was in this video and then also a guy like Keaton Peely, Peyton Wilgar etc. at linebacker taking a bad angle in their own right and getting washed down or getting trapped inside when they need to be making a different play and I think even in that video it was Ethan Slade I think was the safety and Brady P- Brady Papinga pointed out that Ethan Slade went the wrong way as well. It was just a kind of cavalcade of errors on that individual run play. It was just one single run play. And I thought Brady brought some pretty decent wisdom. And let's be honest, Brady, he knows a thing or two about playing against Notre Dame. In the 2004 win at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I think he had something like 12 tackles, a sack, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble. I remember that. Actually, I was in the stands. Uh, He forced that fumble and recovered it. He was just a man amongst boys that day. Brady knows a lot about football. He won a Super Bowl in the NFL. You cannot uh, you cannot argue with the accolades that a guy like Brady Papinga brings to bear, and I thought he made some very, very savvy points, and uh, yeah, I, I appreciated him uh, pointing that out. Uh, maybe uh, BYU's looking at things differently scheme-wise and whatnot, but I thought the overall message from Brady is that these are fixable errors. He pointed out that none of this is not fixable. It's just more about getting the guys to understand there's an effort level required of them, maybe some scheme adjustments, Etc. to get them playing at the level that he probably expects them to play that and all of us expect them to play at. And I think he, he's coming from a good a good place because Brady, you'll find no bigger proponent of BYU than Brady Papinga. I can sh- assure you of that. Does he come off a little militant at times? Sure, but he means well. He wants BYU to be a quote-unquote power program I've talked with him about it enough that that's what his biggest thing is. He wants BYU to be what he thinks it can be, and that's one of the great programs out there. All right, a couple of quick notes before we go here. We're getting close to being over time here. When it comes to the basketball program, I promised you guys I would get these for you. So one of the guys I talked to, he feeds me information from time to time. Uh, Two guys to pay attention to when it comes to BYU basketball as the season gets a little bit closer. We are now, uh, so November 7th, so we are just over a month away. We're a month and a day away from BYU opening the season at the Marriott Center against Idaho State. Two guys this week that have apparently been standing out, and they're both transfers into the program. That's what you want to hear, I think, if you're a BYU basketball fan, is to have the transfers showing out when it comes to basketball. The two names, 
Jackson, uh, excuse me, um, let's see. Oh, no, first one, Noah Waterman. I apologize. Noah Waterman is uh, really standing out, apparently. He has actually made a push, it sounds like, to be potentially in the starting lineup day one for BYU in basketball. And you're probably asking what position. I think it's very uh, fluid right now. The thing about a guy like Noah Waterman, I'm actually pulling up uh, up the roster here to get his exact measurements, is that he is a walking mismatch. If If he can actually live up to the expectations that I think many of us probably have for him, all right, Noah Waterman, I am pulling this up. Uh, there we go. 6'11", 210 pounds. He has got elite length, and if his ability, and what I'm hearing is he's actually one of the better shooters on the roster, if he can shoot at 6'11", and space the floor for BYU, that opens up just a myriad of opportunities for BYU's offense to be more versatile this year than they ever have been. He could play, maybe in some stints, the two-guard. He could be the three-man for BYU and open up the interior for a guy like uh, Fusini Traore and a team. Tiki to really dominate on the interior. His length, his shooting is a real, real advantage for BYU if it truly does translate to this upcoming season. Now, the other one to pay attention to is Jackson Robinson. Uh, what I am hearing is he is currently the best shooter for BYU in every drill. He is absolutely lighting it up from the perimeter. And the one thing I love about Jackson Robinson, similar to Noah Waterman. This is a six foot seven wing, folks. That is the thing about Jackson Robbins. Six foot seven, 190 pounds. He's only a sophomore. This is a guy who is going to grow into the Big 12 with BYU for at least two of the years that BYU makes their entrance into the Big 12 conference should he play out his eligibility as a Cougar. This is two guys with elite size for their uh, positions that I think we're all kind of tagging them at. Jackson Robinson's listed as a guard. At six seven, if he's your two man, think about that. Noah Waterman, maybe he's three at six foot. 11. You've got Fuseni Traore. I know that he's six foot, uh, he's six, 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 seven, and he has a seven, two wingspan or whatever it is. He's your four man. And then Tiki Ali Tiki's there in the middle for you guys at six foot 10. That's an elite length lineup. And uh, that's, that should be the exciting part for you as a BYU basketball fan is this BYU squad. The shooting, obviously, it's going to need to translate to actual games. Shooting in practice versus shooting in a game is completely separate things. But it sounds like both Noah Waterman and Jackson Robinson are showing out in practice right now. And if that length and that shooting truly translates to the court for BYU this year, you're looking at a completely night and day different squad than it was a year ago. Think about the backcourt for BYU last year. Nothing against Alex Barcelo and the other guys out there. They just were not elite when it comes to their defensive capabilities. If a guy like Jackson Robinson is going to be your two man at six foot seven, that is going to be an extremely long and athletic BYU lineup. Maybe unlike what we've seen in many, many years, if ever for the BYU basketball program. That, that's the fun part about this. So we'll see if it all translates. Uh, like I said, there, there's a lot of time between now and actual tip-off for, for things to develop. And obviously, once they finally take the court out there at the Marriott Center, uh, Cougar, Cougar fans, lights, and the sheets drop, that type of stuff. When the lights actually come on, when the game is actually live, when, these, when the bullets are live, when it's actually counting, that's when we'll really find out about this squad. But uh, those two guys, Noah Waterman and Jackson Robinson, apparently making a big impression for BYU right now when it comes to hoops. All right, we are way over time. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys to make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast, talking a lot of Big 12 football this week. Uh, Josh uh, Neighbors does an incredible job. Uh, get it free and available wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one, are also available on YouTube. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us. Tomorrow, we preview it. It's game day eve, BYU-Notre Dame. What to know, keys to the game, my prediction. We'll get to all of that on tomorrow's podcast. Until then, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.